Blake coming up this half hour. Our next guest, Phil Cassie, is the Associate Professor of Biology Sciences at Adelaide University. But he also oversees a, a dedicated unit at the uni that tracks the illegal multi-billion dollar global wildlife trade business that's identified there is huge demand for South Australian reptiles. Phil, Casey, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? We're good, thanks, Phil. So, look, I love a lizard. I love a blue tongue. I love a sleepy. What, why are they so popular and how are people getting them out of the country? So, Australia's got uh, species that are found nowhere else in the world uh, and, you know, that, that drives a, a demand. We've also got... Or we've always had and are known for a pretty good biosecurity. We're, we're an island nation, so uh, it's, it's hard to, to get our animals in other places, and this also drives a, another form of demand as well. So we're seeing, uh, particularly in uh, Europe, but also in uh, parts of Asia, that there's this in, increasing demand and, and its supply. We're seeing them turn up, and it's just been noted recently that we're seeing more and more of them turning up and so how they get out that's an excellent question yeah and just just to be clear is there a legal trade of them like can you become a registered trader in in say blue tongue lizards or if is it the case that whenever they're identified or spotted overseas they're only ever the result of someone having smuggled them out so there's there's a legal uh private trade in this, within Australia. So a lot of these species you can uh, keep in, in small numbers and there are registered breeders in Australia. Um, outside of Australia, um, most of these species um, aren't protected once they get there. There's been, up till recently, there's been almost no protection if they turned up um, in, the, in the markets outside of Australia. But they're not legal to be exported. Right. So there's no there's no private legal export. Um, you can you know zoos and there, there are ways of of getting them out legally, but it, it takes a lot of paperwork and it's not just for private keeping. Phil, are they being are they being uh, traded illegally in such number that it 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 threatens them as a species going forward? Yeah. So that's that's you know one of the things that we're interested in. You know how um, what is the, the sort of the take in the harvest and and how is that adding to uh, all of the other uh, exacerbating things we do that, you know, habitat clearance, uh, all of the cats and foxes, um, you know, the, the, we lose a lot of populations in fires. So uh, a lot of these are the primary causes of decline, uh, but that doesn't mean that uh, harvesting, particularly of some of the rarer species, uh, might not be a, start to become a problem. Mm. I, some of the things you found in your in your studies, Phil, are amazing. Because you you head up, it's like a, it's not just you doing this. You've got like a a unit uh, down the road at Adelaide Uni tracking this multi billion dollar global trade in in, in our wildlife. But what what's, That's right. what's the thing you you found out in India? There are a group of kangaroos just standing around on a street and what some sort of wet market type place or something. Yeah, they'd they'd been uh, uh, someone had had uh, been keeping them. Um, they'd gotten poor health, so they'd been, they'd been dumped on the edge of a national park. Uh, increasingly, what we're trying to do is understand what the demand is for, for all Australian wildlife uh, and also to, to monitor what, what's being brought in as well because uh, we know that the, uh, the emergence of invasive species is uh, a cost to our environment and agriculture of, of many uh, billions of dollars each year. And so we don't want to just 
um, focus on what's being lost. We also want to try and strengthen biosecurity uh, and understand the demand for what's being brought in as well. It's great that you're doing this, but Phil, why is, it, why is this a, a uni responsibility and, and not a, an AFP slash customs problem? Ah, well, you know, they're, they're working uh, with us. Um, the, the issue is there's, there's a hell of a lot of agencies in Australia uh, at, at state and, and Commonwealth level. Um, they, they don't always uh, talk as well to each other as, as you might like, um, and they don't have the, you know, the, the investment or the time um, or, or sometimes the capability to build up the, the next generation of research tools that mm. are, are required. So you know, within a, in a university, we're able to put together an interdisciplinary centre that provides both training and research to support them and, and to work with some of the data sets that um, they're collecting um, that, that it's their job to collect as well. Do you know off, off, off hand, off, off the top of your head, Phil, how much would people be prepared to pay, say, to get like a shingleback lizard or a, or a blue tongue overseas? Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's not something we, we tend to advertise too much, but uh, needless to say, you know, it, it, um, it's, it would well, I suppose you, you wouldn't want to advertise it because it could create no, we're not, an we're not trying to create. We're not trying to create a new, <laughs> a new market no, or a new sure. demand. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it would definitely surprise you. Um, these these things are, you know, they're they're highly wanted. Yeah, yeah. Do you think the fines are high enough for smuggling them? Absolutely not. No, and that's something we're looking at as well within our centre. So we're looking at um, at assisting uh, the the agencies and improving their legislations, uh, and also helping the court systems for looking at. Uh, we're going through a reform at the moment, uh, both in South Australia and uh, nationally of our environmental laws, and so you know, we're we're very keen to make sure that some of those uh, punishments and and some of the prosecutions, as well as the awareness and the education programs, are all improved. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating stuff. It's sad that we actually need something. It's important work dedicated yeah. to this. It shouldn't be happening. It's just terrible. But um, great chat, Phil Phil Cassie, there, associate professor of biological sciences at Adelaide Uni. Hey, um, thanks to Dave in Ardrossan who rang up about the lack of um, seatbelts in paddy wagons. Mm. Um, a copper mate of mine sent me a message saying, "No, Dave is right. There are no uh, seatbelts in paddy wagons." And we had a few texts about it. Someone saying that they think it's it's unfair because everyone's innocent until proven guilty. Well, they're actually there in part to protect the um, the prisoner because they're a they're a hanging hazard. So that's yeah. one of the reasons why it would part of it would be off the back of the deaths in custody um, reports and so forth. And there'd be a lot of mental health callouts. Yep, that yep. That's that's with. the key reason that they're not there. But they're also not there because if, if prisoners don't put them on, uh, the job would fall to the police to try to get in there and say, come on, let's just yeah. clip your belt in. And um, apparently, you know, police being kicked is pretty common in the back of a paddy wagon too. So that's why there are no seatbelts in police paddy wagons. David Penberthy and Will Goodings, 6 to 9, 5AA Breakfast.